Sunny 16 presents. Welcome to episode 28 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting, brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 podcast. My name, Jeff Greenstein. And my name is Gabe Sachs. Welcome to our show. I just changed it up a little bit, dropped the verb. You know, that's how it goes when you're 28 in. Oh, 28. Drop a verb. You do know what 28 means, right? What does it mean, Gabe? Well, in numerology, let me tell you a little something, okay? (laughs) The angel number 28 is a number of achievements as well as contradictions. And just remember, when this number appears in your life, it might indicate that some old cycle is ending and a new cycle is about to begin. There you have it. Episode 28. I mean, it, first of all, it's amazing that you knew that off the top of your oh, head. Oh, yes, of course. I mean, that's remarkable. Yeah. What a podcasting partner <laughs> that he can recite <laughs> facts about numbers like that oh, off the top of his head. Absolutely. What do you think is happening as we transition to this new cycle? What, what, do, you, what do you see in store for us? I'm not really good at predictions, but I, I'm, I'm guessing that there'll be more cameras and lenses. That's all I'm saying. And that would be a new cycle because we haven't had them before. That is true. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's the prediction. We'll see if it comes true. <laughs> exactly. We have a lot to cover today. So much. Are you ready? Because it starts with a prodigious mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> what was great is that Gabe was ready to do a little music cue, but then he realized we don't need one anymore. That we just had one. So good. All right. We have a lot of, I mean, when you ask for it and they mail we you, love what are you going to do? Love so it. we're going to dive in. This one comes from Jeff Pittman. Episode, he's, he's on episode 13. Wow. He said, hi, guys. I only recently discovered your terrific podcast, so I am listening every day to get current. Nice. This was on February 10th. So by now, he, he's on like episode 24. He's getting current. Yes. Thank you, Gabe, for relieving my guilt. I have a few cameras that I don't often use, but I can't hold a candle to you. <laughs> I will sleep guilt-free tonight. Keep up the great work. Tons of fun for many of us camera gear junkies, Jeff Pittman. How do you feel knowing that you have allayed this gentleman's guilt? I love it. I really love it. I want, uh, I want everyone to feel better about themselves and, uh, I'll just make them feel guilty they don't have enough cameras, and then they'll go get more and feel just fine. Isn't that wonderful? What a service we provide. <laughs> Next up, John Michael Mendiza. Did you see this? Our friend John Michael. It's our friend now. We've follow seen up. him in person. We've met him in person. The subject line, back in Germany. Dear Jeff and Gabe, what happened to all the sunshine? It has been gray and wet here for the last couple of weeks. I had forgotten how nice the sunshine in California is. <laughs> By the way, folks... It's going to be 85 here on Monday. It's crazy. 85? It's crazy. Bananas. People are freezing. Yes, people are freezing. I have been meaning to write since we met up, but travel and then real life. It was so much fun getting to meet you guys. I really enjoyed chatting about life and cameras. Thanks for the lovely shout outs on episode 26. Now you have to thank us again, John Michael. <laughs> the developing tank made it to Germany no problem. Probably because the TSA was distracted by the huge jar of artichoke hearts next to it. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) I briefly debated holding off using it to develop my black and white rolls from the California trip, but decided there was no time like the present to conquer my fear of steel reels and went for it. Compared to my GDR triplex developing tanks, the steel reels are a bit harder to load, but after a bit of practice, I successfully loaded and developed all the rolls. Hero time! I am impressed. I really am. It is scanned and imported now, so I will share a few images with you guys soon. I realized I totally forgot to take a few shots with you guys on film, but oh well. (laughs) One note about traveling with film. Whenever I was going through airport security, I would politely ask the agents to hand check my film and present them with a clear Ziploc bag with all the film in it. Just for good measure, I printed out one of those Kodak Do Not CT Scan labels and put it in the bag. All three times, the agents were friendly and hand checked the film without any complaints. In Frankfurt, the film did set off the explosives alarm when they did the swab test and the federal police came over to oversee the hand inspection but again there was no problem if you guys ever need help with anything here in germany let me know and if i can support the podcast anyway please don't hesitate to get in touch all the best for now cheers john michael love it this leads me to when you travel 
Gabe Sachs. Yes. Do you ask them to hand check the film? Okay. You want me to be honest? <laughs> yeah, be honest. Okay. So uh, this the Fashion Week trip to New York. Yes. I got to New York and bought all the film there. So I bought it at B&H. Oh, smarty. And then yeah. uh, would send it in to the darkroom. So, and send it from the location, send it from New York. I often travel all over with, with film. I sometimes will ask for a hand check and sometimes depending on where it's in my camera, it'll go through the x-ray. It'll be, you know, 400 or less. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've honestly never had a problem with it. But with that said, next time I go to the airport, I'm definitely going to ask for a hand check. So I don't have anything. Here's what just occurred to me. Yes. Okay, we're going to talk about, Gabe and I have both traveled since the last episode. First of all, I never ask for hand checking. I used to put my stuff in a lead bag, but that sets off yeah. security alarms. So you're going to get hand checked anyway. Right. You might as well just ask for it. And it's like you, if it's 400 or less, I never worry about it. This time I'm realizing I actually went through airport security with Cinestill 800T in the camera. Oh my goodness. And there are a couple of like orange artifacts and I hadn't even realized until just now. I assumed they were like light leaks or f defects in the film or maybe a processing problem. I bet they came from going through Wow, the but those pics look so I good. Bet they did. I know the pictures were good, but the like the first one on the roll, maybe the one that was on the outside, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, so maybe guys with 400 or less, you're safe, but with 400 or more, right, take care. Right, exactly. Okay, interesting. On we go. Philip Crana checks in on the price of film. Hi, enjoying yet another of your episodes. I feel the need to add the discussion about film prices. I recently bought a 1969 issue of Modern Photography Magazine. So after your podcast, I went through the advertisements to do some unscientific oh, research. Good. 100 feet, yeah. 100 feet of Tri-X film for bulk loading costs the equivalent of $50, or about one half the current price in 2022 dollars. However, developing and printing actually cost more, a lot more. A roll of 36 exposure color film with developing, printing, and a replacement roll cost anything from $55 to $70 oh my in current 2022 dollars. You can easily search online and find processing for your color film for about 10 bucks. That's true. Or develop your own black and white at home for pennies. And with modern scanning, you can view the images and print only the shots that are keepers. I think if we film shooters shoot wisely, the costs really haven't changed much. Philip, what do you think? That's really interesting. I'm surprised. Yeah. I am surprised. And also, Philip took the time to do a little scan and send us some pictures from the ads in Mod Photo. Oh, that's great. Very interesting. Thanks for that, Philip. Bruce Horn wrote in Hi, Jeff and Gabe. All right, if you insist, I will stop telling you how great you are, at least for now. <laughs> <laughs> On your comment, about the Perkeo lens being a little soft, if it is really uncoated or single-coated, one of the biggest culprits I have found for that with old folders is flare coming from any off-axis light. Mm. Even if you are not shooting into the sun, the light from a cloudy sky can be enough to significantly reduce contrast and give a soft look. A slip-on lens hood, such as a Series 5 or 7 model, can help, or even better, a slip-on to threaded filter adapter and then a larger hood. Other than my favorite Wallensack 6645 folder, I did enjoy the Moskva 5 6x9 rangefinder I had. Oh my goodness. I know that camera. Worked well, and I love that large negative. Amazingly cheap sometimes. $60 for the first hit on a web search just now. Wow. Guys, look into this. Rangefinder is not great compared to the Super Iconta it was modeled after and heavy as lead, but for a 6x9 you can carry in a jacket pocket. Not bad. Never bought a Super Iconta as they seem too expensive, but nowadays their current price around $300 seems fairly reasonable. Cheers, Bruce! Okay. Wow. I took his advice. I don't even know if I told you this, Gabe. I went right to the bay to look for Voigtlander lens hoods in this 32 millimeter slip-on size for the Perkeo. I found one. Oh, wow. I mean, it was 30 bucks. And considering the camera was <laughs> 70, it feels like an investment, but I bought it and I was out shooting at sunset tonight with the hood on. It's a little bit of a pain having to take the hood off when you fold it and then put it back on, right. unfold it. But whatever, I'm going to try it. Bruce, good tip. Do you use a lens hood? 
I really love lenses. I really, <gasps> really do. And I was just thinking about it as wow. you said that. I thought, how interesting that they would have a lens hood for that. Some lens hoods make no sense. So if you go back and you think of the, you know, like a 3 Series or like a 3F or something like that on the Sumatar, the one that pulls out, right? Yeah. It's like putting a four-sided billboard on your in front of your lens. <laughs> yeah. It's the most gigantic yes. thing I've ever seen. They're huge. They're huge. Yes. But I really love uh, lens hood on, on definitely all the Leica lenses. That's definitely something. But And I also like the, the Nikon FM3A. I have a lens hood. It doesn't stay on the camera. Wow. But I do like it. <laughs> it doesn't stay Interesting. Up. Yeah. I am thinking through the cameras that I use with lens hoods. The Leica CL yep. has this amazing rubber lens hood that's collapsible. It stows away. I keep it on the camera I all know the that time. One, yeah. FM3A, the 45 millimeter Nikkor that was designed to match the FM3A has that cool ass inverted looking lens hood where it's convex rather than concave. It's really cool. So I keep that on the all time because it looks badass. But And when I am using like the super wide Venus Optics Laowa mm -hmm. lens, I keep the hood on there too because I feel like I need it. But I don't think about this enough. And I think it is an important thing to keep in mind because it does enhance contrast and reduce flare. Yep. So... That is a good tip. Love it. Do you guys use lens hoods? Tell us. Interesting question. Tell us. Next up. So thanks for that, Bruce. Billy Sanford. Hello, dreamers. Just ordered a Scannenberg Uncertainty <laughs> T, since that is the choice that speaks most closely to my film, Nerddom. I love it. Billy's that. the perfect person to have that one, by the way. That I is know. absolutely it perfect. Is absolutely perfect. He actually... He sent us a picture of it on the I Dream of Cameras Instagram, and yes, he did actually get it. Made it so very, good. Made me very happy. He said, on that topic, could I request some option for pocket tees? Great for storing lens caps, filters, dark slides, and other sundries while setting up for a shot. Okay, I forwarded this to Keith. <laughs> Do you guys want pocket tees? <laughs> Let, let's hear. It can't just be Billy, okay? <laughs> we did sweatshirts because Rolf said he wanted a sweatshirt because we knew you guys would want yes. it. But... Let us know. He also said this, said Billy, and since you put out the call for accounts, let me suggest everyone go check out Kylea Legrande. Ah. I know her more from Twitter, but she is also in the gram if that's your thing. Her account is Kylea the Great, K-A-I-L-E-A-A, -A -A, the Great. I enjoy her pictures and also just enjoy her enthusiasm for film photography. Take care, Billy. Thanks for the tip, Love that. especially for a female photographer, Gold Star. Speaking of female photographers, did you see this? Our friend Michael Kaplan. Now, as you guys know, we love Michael, and we love the Ephemeral Machine podcast, which we appeared on a couple of yes, weeks ago. We did. Check it out. He wrote to us after hearing Lisa Murphy's email in our last show. He said, gents, I hope that you are well. I heard the email you read on the last show from Lisa Murphy, analog archivist on Instagram. Women camera collectors is a topic I spoke to Danielle Robleski about on my show. Lisa's story piqued my interest and I contacted her. We are now working out some details so she can be a guest on the ephemeral machine. Her focus on collecting and the camera as historical artifact is perfect. I just wanted to let you know, and once again, as Vox Populi, your effect is profound best michael look what we do fantastic. gabe fantastic fantastic michael thank you i cannot wait to hear lisa's lilting irish brogue <laughs> on your podcast i'm excited about that that's so cool <laughs> me too that is great to hear thanks for doing that paul friday wrote in on the subject of folders he has his own blog i gotta be careful how i say this it is fup Duck, photo, <laughs> F-U-P-D-U-C-K, photo, dot WordPress, dot com. How'd I do, he Gabe? He did great. He did great. Please go to Paul's blog on WordPress and investigate his articles that he wrote on the following folding cameras, the Baldax, the Kodak 620, and then he has a third article about what to do when the bellows or lens fails on your folding camera. Wow. Cheers, chaps. Paul Friday. That's a good one. Check out these articles. They are cool. Thank you, Paul. Love that. Speeding through that mailbag. <laughs> Here we go. Tom Northenskold wrote, 
My Kodak Duo 6-20 folder camera. Here is what he says. I only have one folder camera, the Kodak Duo 620. My dad bought one used back in the late 40s, gave it to me when I decided to take up photography as a fifth grader in 1969. Yes, I was that 11-year-old nerd at Boy Scout camp who was walking around with a folding camera and light meter when all the other boys were down at the lake fishing. Portrait of Tom. The Duo 620 is a 1930s vintage 620 film folder that makes a 4x6.5 negative in the portrait orientation, 16 frames on a 120 roll. I still have the camera I used in 1969, but the bellows are like Swiss cheese, so it sits on the shelf. I was able to buy a working copy for 90 bucks on eBay from Pacific Rim Camera out of Oregon. That is a great shop. They are actually a great source for folders of all makes. He goes on to talk a lot about some details of the camera. He has the Art Deco version, what? which, by the way, is gorgeous. Wow. It's got Art Deco styling on the top and bottom plates. It's got a Konak anastic matte lens with a surprisingly wide max aperture of f3.5 and a 7 centimeter focal length. Rumor has it this lens is actually a Schneider Zenar. <laughs> it is quite sharp for a vintage lens. He says shooting with the camera is an exercise in manual everything. You use the little red window on the back when winding, manually cock the shutter. This is a lot like the Porqueo, yeah, definitely. by the way. Uses zone focusing, no meter, but talk about a great way to learn about exposure and depth of field. He also talks about how he hacks the 120 spool so it will fit in a 620 camera. There are YouTube videos about this. Use a toenail giver and find sandpaper. <laughs> anyway, he posted a picture of this thing, and it is cute. Wow. He wraps up by saying... When I use the Kodak Duo 620, I feel as if I'm going back to my photographic roots. It's so much fun to shoot, and I'm pleasantly surprised at the quality of the images. And I gotta say, those 645 negatives are the cutest darn things. He sent some pictures of the camera and some pictures from the camera, which are exquisite. Tom Northens Gold for the win. Thanks. <laughs> uh, well done. Neil Piper wrote in. Hi, Jeff and Gabe. Just want to give you a real quick line to recommend one of my favorite Instagram feeds. Helen Hooker is, in my opinion, a fantastic pinhole photographer based in the UK whose clear passion shines through in her work. Go show her some love at HH Pinhole oh, wow. on Instagram. And on the subject, how about a pinhole episode? Thanks for a great show yet again. Neil, Gabe, are you a pinhole photographer? I am not a pinhole photographer. And for I'll be really honest with you, for a long time I was like, Come on, please. You put a pinhole in a can. You put a pinhole in a matchbox. You put a pin... Like, what? And then I saw some of the most unbelievable pictures. Oh, like yes. Like, really artistic, beautiful stuff. And I'm, I I got fascinated with it. And I also love... Um, there's all these amazing woodworkers who, who've made these beautiful know, wooden are so versions cool. that I think are so yeah. fun. And I would love to try them, but... Yeah, I have gotten gifts of the Matchbox and stuff like that, but I have not used them. Uh, but I'm fascinated with it, and I love artists who really take it and and run with it. I want to look into it a little more. I don't know if we have talked about this on the podcast. I was an avid pinhole photographer during those off-recounted years <laughs> at High Meadows Summer Camp love it. in Atlanta, Georgia. Yep. As a matter of fact, do you see this ugly scar right here, can you see that? You were trying the to make a pinhole past... camera out of your uh pen? That is correct. No, you weren't. I was... <laughs> no, you weren't. This was done by the worst plastic surgeon <laughs> in Atlanta. Okay. I was... Okay, don't judge me, guys. I was eight. I was... I had the dice cup from a game. It was this black plastic cup yes. that had a blue plastic seal on the top, and I thought this will be the perfect way to make my own pinhole camera. I had my Cub Scout pocket knife, and I was cutting a hole in it so that I could put the foil yes. in that hole, yes. right, as you're supposed to do. Unfortunately, I was doing this on the bus home from camp. <laughs> the bus hit a bump. The knife hit my thumb, and I had a very bad cut which I had to hold together until my mom got home. Anyway, I have bled for pinhole photography is what I am saying to you people. It's so odd because you would think on a bus with such smooth suspension <laughs> that there would be no issues at all. But uh... I, know. I'm, I know, I'm a moron. But the other thing, you know, is that if we're processing our own stuff, you could make a pinhole lens cap, totally a pinhole true. body cap. Totally true. You could do pinhole photography on your digital camera. This is something I am going to vow to try. Yeah. So thanks for the tip, 
Neil, next up. Oh, this is a good one. I'm so excited about this. James Rufus Okoya Corin, who has the coolest name. And by the way, is a Long Beacher like you, man. Yes. Awesome. Long Beach, California. James Okoya Corin writes, Gents, a note on 675 batteries. Polar Bear Camera, a vintage camera supply shop in the UK, sells a great thingy adapter for 675 batteries. I have used them with great success in all of my cameras that use the old Mercury battery, including a Minolta SRT-102, Olympus 35SP, and a Pen FT. They're not super cheap, but still a good deal compared to Wine Cells. Cheers, James. Guys, Google Polar Bear Camera. They are in the UK. These are a little different than the thingy because they're not a ring. They're more of like a little socket, but looks promising. Other people chime in if you use them. Anything that replaces the late lamented thingy is okay in I'm our so book. I'm so excited about that. Thanks for the tip, James. Onward. Peter Kosiani writes with a collection of thoughts from the previous episodes. Hello and thank you from sunny Melbourne. Gabe, you do an amazing Australian accent. Would you like to say hello and... Uh, which one? I, I See, I get concerned. Do you want my Melbourne version? <laughs> Or would you like my Sydney version? Because I really, I, it's always, I go up and down. I go, oh, should Perth. we sit? Perth. Perth. I want to hear the Perth. Yeah, um, Perth. Yeah, no, I don't do any of these. I'm sorry. He doesn't so do sad. Perth. I'm sorry, guys. So Here we go. All right. He says, I sold my entire Pentax K-mount system after realizing I was hoarding and had too many cameras that did basically the same thing. What's wrong with hoarding? Well, wait, 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 wait. Cam- I know what's is, wrong. Is I know. derogatory I- about hoarding? I know, I know. Where'd that judgment come from? While both superb cameras, I sold my Pentax ME Super as I prefer my Nikon FE, OM2N, and Minolta X700. I sold the Pentax MX as I prefer my black OM1N. These are all nice cameras, Peter. Incidentally, the ME Super and 51.7 went to an amazing young lady who has only recently started shooting film. Her Instagram account is Sophie underscore 35 millimeter. It's great to know the camera has gone to a good home and someone who uses and loves it. Peter is a modern saint. Isn't that wonderful to hear, Gabe? I love that. He passed it on. I love it. That's really impressive. Regarding last episode. My first film camera this time around was the Minolta XG1. You're kidding. Just like yours. Oh, my goodness. I found it locally about three years ago with the 51.7 attached. I sold it when I purchased a Silver X700. I now have a Minolta XD that is waiting for me to affix a new skin after the old one shrunk and look ugly. Having said all that, how about a Minolta-focused episode? There remains a huge amount of love out there for their brand with the Rising Sun logo. I, I I agree. Minolta show. I think remember Minolta I told show. you this when when I shot, you know, recently and tested out that camera on my friend Scotty Thompson. Uh yes. it was I was so impressed with that lens and I couldn't believe it. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm just gonna shoot this as a point and shoot. It was great. I really liked All it. All right, good tip. Look at that. I'm a Minolta partisan. You don't hear of many of those, yep. but note taken. And finally, Peter says the big one and an alternate view. When I think of hobbies that can be enjoyed by young and old alike, by novices, enthusiasts, and professionals, hobbies that can be done solo with mates or even strangers, and activities that could lead to a collection of gear, I could only think of three activities, golf, fishing, and cycling. He left out guitar playing, but we'll keep going. (laughs) And I will tell you, in my opinion, film photography is easily the cheapest of the four interests. So before we all continue moaning about the rising cost of film, let's consider that you could buy and develop dozens of rolls of film and get a decent film camera for well under the cost of a decent road bike, decent set of clubs and balls, which you will lose, or a fishing rod and tackle to suit all the different styles of fishing you might want to do. And if you play your cards right, if you ever lose the passion for film photography or decide to pick up an other hobby you'll probably be able to sell the camera for at least as much as you bought it for thanks for making my commute to and from work so much more enjoyable each fortnight regards peter he makes a good point man yep it is cheaper and it's cheaper than electric guitars for sure definitely definitely cheaper peter thanks for writing from sunny melbourne I don't. I don't know what very that was. well done. I don't know that what was that very well done. I don't know what it was. It, well, you know what it was. It was just verve. Right. I just did it with verve. There you go. Bill two wrote in. We are making a big dent in our prodigious I mailbag. I am very by the way. We're Almost yeah. done. Yeah. Bill two wrote in. Dear Jeff, Jeff spelled with a G. Nate, 
Dave, and Gabe. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take all of them, please. Thank you. He included the whole cast. He wrote in brackets, huffy voice. So should I do this with a huffy voice? It is with the utmost regret that I must inform you that as a consequence of dissing Theo Panagopoulos' long exposure water photograph, we, the Pixels and Grain Collective, are consequently at war with I Dream of Cameras. Please find attached my long exposure pinhole water photo, Rolly Crossbird and Andu 6x17. Wow. Do you see what he did? Do you see what he did? He tortured me with another long exposure water photo. Oh, the floodgates are literally open. (laughs) Literally the floodgates. (laughs) Yes. By the way, says Bill, just love the show. Could I suggest trying some pinhole photography and doing a show on it? Please look us up if you're ever in Sydney. Warmest. Yeah. He says he closes with warmest regards you enemy. Bill two on behalf of the pixels and grain collective. Bill. Bill. Love you. Well taken. By the way, Bill is a great photographer. Yep. This is a slow motion water shot, yes, but the silhouettes and the mist and the mood of this photo is wonderful. Bill, we love your stuff. Follow that guy on Instagram, Bill2, spelled T-H-O-O. Next, speaking of luminaries in the community, Wayne Setzer. Wayne, let me start by saying Wayne is the new third Shutter brother on the Uncle Jonesy's Cameras podcast. I don't know if we've shouted out that podcast here. No, we should. It is a wonderful podcast out of the southeastern United States, which is where I grew up. Yes. It is great to hear those lilting voices on the show, and Wayne is a great addition. So, God, honored that he decided to write to us. He said, greetings, Jeff and Gabe. You've been talking about doing a folder show for a while, so I thought I'd share what is probably the most unusual camera I've ever had the pleasure of owning. Did you see this thing, by the way? No. It's amazing. Okay, let me keep going. Here we go. The 1932 Velta, that's W-E-L-T-A, Superfecta, that's with a K, a folding twin lens reflex that uses 120 film. No way. A folding TLR is unusual enough, but the Superfecta gives you a nice big 6 by 9 centimeter negative. Now, switching from vertical to horizontal orientation can be somewhat awkward in a camera with a waist-level finder, so the thoughtful folks at Velta also gave the camera a revolving back. I need to see this. Yeah, you got to look at this. The taking lens is a 10.5 centimeter f3.8 Carl Zeiss Jena Tessar. Compor rapid shutter, shutter speeds from 1 to 1 400th plus B and T, and a self-timer, kabam! The viewing lens is a 7.5 centimeter f3.8 Veltascope. The difference in focal lengths between the two lenses is to allow for a more compact camera by having a smaller focusing screen. Wow. He says, I've used the Superfecta a couple of times and even considered it as an everyday carry. For the most part, it's very easy to work with. I was very happy with my results, samples attached. My only issue was the shutter speed and f-stop engravings are too finely engraved for my old eyes to easily read. I finally did decide on a folder for my everyday camera. Here comes the punchline, oh, Gabe. Boy. After much research, consideration, and many sleepless nights, I broke down and acquired a Plowbell Machina 67. Oh. Damn you, Wayne! Oh. So jealous. A beautiful, solid, well-designed camera with a great lens. No regrets at all. Thanks for the great podcast, Wayne. Guys, go to your Google. Look up the Velta Superfecta. It is an astounding-looking camera. Imagine a collapsible Roloflex TLR. I I can't even imagine. It's remarkable. And his photographs are beautiful. Thank you. And then, you know what? He has to top it off with a shot of his new Plowbell Machina just to that throw just it in kills my face. Me. That one kills me. Oh, yeah. Anyway, great email. Thank you, Wayne. Love the podcast. Check him out on Uncle Jonesy's great show. We are coming into the home stretch. Here we go. On the subject of folders, our friend Matt Miller, Neon Thunderbird, says, Hi, Jeff and Gabe. I already wrote in a couple episodes ago, so feel free to omit this. No, man. <laughs> So excited to hear you showing some love to the folders in your last episode. I got really into 120 folders over the last couple of years in an effort to replace my 4x5 kit on longer hikes and backpacking trips. My go-tos are the Konica Pearl 4 
and the Voigtlander Bessa 2, but I recently scored a Fuji Super Fujika 6, which for the time being is still a fairly affordable option. I've only shot a few rolls with it. So far, the results have been excellent. I also wanted to mention another favorite compact 120 camera, the Agfa Isola 2. Interesting. It's not Italian, but I feel like saying Isola. Isola. It's oh, the Italian Ricola, word for island. Yeah, Isola. <laughs> While not a folder per se, it does have a unique telescoping lens barrel that retracts into the body of the camera. Doesn't boast any frills, but the single-coated triplet Aknar lens is surprisingly good. Camera weighs a measly 11 ounces. What? He recommends these two websites, 120folder.com and Certo6, that's C-E-R-T-O and the number 6.com for anyone looking for more 120 folder info. Anyway, loving the show as always. Keep up the good work. Matt Miller, Neon Thunderbird on Instagram. Guess what, Gabe? What? That closes... The Mailbag! <laughs> I love our holding for this. He's, for Fred's he's music. dying to do. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. You know, I think it's kind of interesting. We're talking about the transition that occurs around episode 28. I find it very interesting that the show is becoming more of a dialogue with our listeners, and I love that. So good. Isn't it great? We love it. Now, let's move on to the news of the day. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> this is a travel episode because Gabe and I have both been traveling. I'm going to throw the ball to Mr. Gabe Sachs, who has been to one of America's garden spots. <laughs> yes, I have. I What went was to that garden none... spot? What was that Valhalla? None other than <gasps> Albuquerque, New Mexico. That is where I went. Wow. Um, so... Jealous much? Many, <laughs> many of you know that I shot there for many years. I was there four years for the night shift. And I eventually uh, bought a place there. And I may have used it a little bit for storage, but I have, there are some cameras I picked up when I was there. <laughs> and yes. so what I, you know, the, the question is whether I'm going to sell it or not. So anyway, so I went there to get stuff that I really wanted out of it because I'm, I'm going to sell it furnished. And I realized I had some cameras and typewriters and mm. loaded them up in the car and took them back to Los Angeles, which I was very excited about. Name a few of the cameras that you had in this second location. Well, uh, the Groflex. Ooh. Uh, Super D, I think. I may be wrong about that, but I'm... Is that a big... Uh, yeah. Is it a big four by five business? Is that what that big is? giant. You look through, you know, the <laughs> chimney and the right. whole thing. Yes. Uh, I had an Exacta. Ooh. I had a Never old, talked about Exactas. First time that has ever been mentioned. Yes. An the, old yes. Rollercord and an even older oh. Voigtlander TLR. Like old, 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 old. Are you saying that there were TLRs <laughs> that eluded accountability yes. in our last yes, Marine exactly, Icondo show? Exactly. Mm. But those didn't count because they were at my other place. So that doesn't you're count. A tricky, you're a tricky. Oh, you're I'm a very trickster. tricky. But I'll tell you, so I got to shoot some friends when I was there and I got to see some, you know, old friends and it was, it was so much fun. But then the most exciting thing happens because we all know who lives in Albuquerque and that is uh, the one and only. Walter White. The one and only. Oh, besides Walter White. <laughs> besides Walter White. Yes. Ethan Moses. I'm so jealous. Am... <sighs> Ethan Moses lives in Albuquerque. So our favorite mad scientist. Oh, absolutely our favorite mad scientist. And we went back and forth because I was trying, you know, it was a crazy schedule. I was getting in and out of there. I was, you know, just a few days. And, you know, he wrote to me, he says, look, I'm available. Let's figure this out. And then he sends me his address and he's one mile from my place. <laughs> one mile. I said, are you kidding me? You're wow. a two minute drive from here. So I got in the car and I went over there and I saw the lair. I saw the lab, the, lab, wow. the workshop. The it was so exciting and it was just. I really want to believe it's like where Blofeld lives or something. Is that a thing? Yeah. Is Blofeld sure. a thing? I want to believe that it's like in the side of a mountain and that that's what it's like. Like that's what it's like. <laughs> I, I I it was it was odd that I had to do a face scan before I went in. 
but uh, <laughs> it was totally fine with me because I, I, I realized that it's top security. Um, but walking in there and seeing all the projects he has going on was just fascinating and hearing about them and his passion about all of them. And you just want to, I just, you know, p- please everyone go to Camera Dactyl and pick up one of his custom cameras. And he even has film carrying cases that are the best looking ones I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, And grips. And grips, grips. amazing grips for all kinds of cameras. And he's really got some interesting projects going on. So we were there, we went out to dinner and then we went back to his place and talk some more. It was just such a great trip. And I, I can just say that there's more great things coming out of yeah. that workshop than uh, I can talk about. We love this guy. Yeah. I am very jealous that you got to spend the better so part great. of an afternoon and evening with this guy because he is such a resource to the film community. Guys, if you're listening to us and you don't know who Ethan Moses is, and go to cameradactyl.com, follow him on Instagram. He is endlessly inventive he loves photography he has such deep technical knowledge i think you told me he has like 20 3d printers in there he might have a few 3d printers (laughs) (laughs) he might have a few the camera dactyl mongoose which is a high-speed scanning apparatus for 35 millimeter film has changed my life it is so astonishingly brilliant and i just love this guy everything he comes up with is fascinating i kind of want a bronco pan i'm a little obsessed with that now that's his home built version of the x pan i know we said x pan fever has passed but i started thinking about that anyway we love him i'm so glad you got to meet him i want to ask you something else about your albuquerque trip wait 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 before you go on oh keep going it's like you know there there he also is able to explain things to my peanut brain That's (laughs) That's <laughs> this is like I can ask him a question and it's like he yeah. turns into like morphs into someone that can explain and I understand what he's talking about. It's fascinating. It's so great because I know that he's thinking in X's and O's and numbers and crazy mathematics and stuff like that. And but he was able to explain everything and it was so great. Yeah, he is. I've heard him interviewed on podcasts, and he and we obviously have to have him on this one. But he is such a passionate advocate for the projects that he works on. But he's also he is great at kind of putting it in layman's yeah. terms. He could be Bill Nye if he wanted to be Bill Nye. Right. He's got a great radio right. voice. He's yeah. I want to ask you something else about Albuquerque yes. because you did update me occasionally on the state of camera shopping. Yes. In Albuquerque. Yeah. Thoughts? How was it? Are there cameras there? There are only a few cameras there. There is a camera store mm. there that has some cameras, but yeah. um, the majority of the antique shops, and I'm not saying I went to about 18 of them in two days, but I might have. <laughs> um, and I was like, it was like a drug because I used to go there all the time. Or if we had a crazy long setup... <laughs> And I was able to escape. I would go and check it out and check all these amazing antique stores. And there were some really old cameras and, you know, nothing particularly great. So they're gone there too. It seems like people have gone through there since I was there shooting. But yeah, but, you know, there are people that have been, you know, I got some, uh, talked to some amazing friends there that loved the podcast, which was really, really Mm. nice. And uh, Hilary Baca, who uh, we've mentioned before, uh, is in the camera department in Albuquerque on one of those crews and and loves the podcast. She even has some merch, which I thought was very mm. cool. Which thing did she select? She, I think, got the Scannenberg. I think she's the, she, I know. Who I knew? Know. How popular that was going to be. Who it knew? was the nichiest of perhaps all our merchandise. Pretty funny. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I mean, look, it's it's also has amazing vistas in Albuquerque. I mean, there are some really beautiful, and the the sky is amazing, and the sunsets are incredible. And so um, yeah, it was a it was a it was a really great time. Cool. All right, I'm going to do a quickie recap of my trip, yes. which was not quite as eventful as yours. I did a brief trip to Philadelphia. Ah, to visit a friend. Right. It was quite delightful and quite cold. Yes. And I gave my friend an SX-70 as a gift. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I'm a very nice guy. Yeah. And uh, we went out shooting on the day with the SX-70 and experienced something that I've never experienced before. 
it froze up. No. Yeah. Come on. When I say it froze up, I mean that the temperature, which was probably about 12, Mm -hmm. was such that the battery in the film pack stopped functioning. You would push the shutter button and it would just go chick chirk. <laughs> like, I ain't playing. Right. It was basically it's just saying, for me. Uh, no, right. it's too cold out. Even if you kept the camera inside your winter coat and let it warm up a bit, it still was just chick chirk. Uh, so only occasional and sporadic shooting with the SX-70. But I did bring along my favorite travel camera and I must rhapsodize about this once again. Please do. Olympus XA4. You guys, I, it you can't match this thing. It is the best travel camera for my needs. Yeah, but other you, people might travel with. What I gotta tell you this. Go for people, it, people. You listeners that are buying <laughs> buying into this. Let me tell you something. You're like the master of this camera. I've shot it twice, mm-hmm. and I guess what? I am not the master of this camera, and I've got. To, we have to go out together. And we have okay. to shoot news to see what I'm doing wrong. And I'm sure you'll be able to see okay. it perfectly well. I feel fortunate that I am pretty good at judging distances. Right. So the fact that it's a scale-focused camera, don't bother me. Right. And with that, it becomes basically a point-and-shoot. It's got the most delicious self-timer. Okay, I'm not trying to reopen the self-timer discussion, but the self-timer is a little foot that folds out on the bottom of the camera and it becomes an extra way to prop the camera on something. And then when you push the shutter button, it goes deep, 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 <laughs> deep. And a red light flashes on the front of the camera. And as it starts to get close to taking the picture, it goes the best. That's great. In what is it? 80s technology. It's so great. Fits in the pocket. It's got that lens cover. So you never need a lens cap. Wide angle macro very forgiving lens renders beautifully i came back with shots from this trip that i love i also this trip this roll of film also contained shots from visiting with my kid in bakersfield we've gotten in the habit of setting the camera on the dashboard you you should post that because that's a particularly amazing shot seriously yeah i'm gonna okay i will post it after this yeah keep in mind the distance between me and the dashboard okay what is it two and a half feet maybe so set the camera on the dashboard, set the self-timer, push the button, and the lens is wide enough to encompass me and my son in the passenger so seat. Good. So you get a nice kind of widescreen image of the two of us. I love this camera, guys. It is the best of the XAs. Don't come to me with your XA stuff because it is a rangefinder. Ooh, I'm cool because I got a rangefinder. The XA4 is the bomb. I loved it. I want to ask you about some shooting you did this week. Yes. Connor X, baby, talk to me. Okay, so this Connor X bullseye is very heavy. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> and I was very nervous shooting with it, only because of all the stuff we discussed of how expensive it is to fix. Like oh, if they go down, you, were you nervous? I was nervous because you know my advanced lever's a little shaky, and I was just going, "Oh, I'm gonna get, something's gonna go wrong." But there's no guys. If you're gonna fix it, you're loaded. If you're going to fix that camera, you're so rich. It's so expensive to fix it. But I used it with Liliana Ray, uh, who I shoot often. And we went to Paramount Ranch. Where is that? It's, you know, way out in the valley somewhere. (laughs) Paramount Ranch is where I'm shocked that you don't know this. I don't. But your favorite show, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, was shot there. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, the medicine woman was there? <laughs> That's where they shot it. But they used to have a bunch of sets until the fires happened. And most oh. of it burned down. They had a Western set. And I've shot there before. It's a it's a wow. beautiful, beautiful facility. And I'm guessing Agora Hills. That's I, That seems okay. like where it is. Anyway, my sense. Did you just pick the name of a far flung location (laughs) in LA County? I think it's a core. Okay. So we we went and shot there and we used the bullseye, and I loved how the pictures came out. I just loved it. Well, the pictures are astounding. That lens, which lens is it? What is the lens? 50F2. And what is the make of that lens? Is that a planar? Yeah. What is it? It's a planar. Planar. God damn. It's so great. And I have the 35 and 135 that came with the kit when I bought it. Did you use either of them? I have never, ever used those (gasps) lenses in my life. 
And so I'm that's surprised. that's going to be the next thing is I'm going to try and, uh, you know, I may bring it to the beers and cameras thing, which we are going to attend oh, on yes. Saturday. So we love yes. those guys. And I may bring the 35 and, and see how that shoots. It's an extremely heavy camera. So it's not like picking up the FM3A or the Olympus OM1. It's a heavy thing. You have to think about it. You have to really hold it tight. And is it but like I love the sound a, it makes. Pentax 6.7. Is it kind of that it's, size? No, 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 no. It's not that it's that size. It's just, it, it's a little more comfortable for me, the, yeah, the okay. uh, Contrax, but it's just, you have to just keep it steady because it is kind of a heavy camera, but I love yeah. it. Does it handle well? Yeah. Like in terms of the control yeah. placement and stuff? You can report wow. back. I'm no. going to let you hold it uh, this weekend. Oh, does it have a meter? No. Okay, so I mean, you're using a handheld? No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, it has a meter, but the meter doesn't work. <laughs> oh, I got you. Yeah. So you use a handheld I with this? I use a handheld. Wow. And what did what film were you shooting? I'm just curious. I was shooting expired, very, very expired Fuji 160S. Is oh. that something? Oh. Old. Uh, I, have, sure. I have a color of black, color, color, black color, and white. Color. And yeah, wow, neat. And I loved it. I just well, loved I, it. Wow. I saw one of the shots already. I was really struck by the way that lens renders. It is it's pretty sharp. We are, we are definitely on. Uh, I definitely posted on iDream Camera so you can look there and you will see the p shots there. I have about five shots up there. Cool. All right. Well, me, other than shooting with the XA4 in the early part of the week, I was out with the Parqueo. <laughs> But and, and, um, and do you still love it? Well, here's the thing. I still love it. The camera is amazing. I've run a couple of rolls of black and white through it. I was looking through my fridge going, what other black and white film do I have that I can run through this? And I came across a roll of Berger or Burger. I don't know. Is it Berger? Berger is Berger. much fancier and cooler. I came across a roll de Berger. <laughs> Très bien. <laughs> Très bien. Berger 400. Pancro 400. I thought, Pancro sounds like panchromatic. Yep. I'm going to go out and shoot with this as if it's Triax. I shot around with it. I played with the self-timer. I did not realize this camera had a self-timer at first, but it is actually mounted on the lens. It's a 10-second self. Look at him. He is. If you could only see the look I'm of utter contempt. I'm just shaking my head because, first of all, <laughs> why would that camera have a self-timer? It does. Okay. It's got a very functional and lovely self-timer. I was meeting my friend Alessandra for coffee. We were catching up. She's cute. I wanted to take a picture of us together. Self-timer comes out. It's a total delight. This camera, by the way, like the Voigtlander Vito, has a little foot on the edge of the door that opens so that you can stand it. Oh, my God. It's so cute. Anyway, took a bunch of pictures. Got excited because, of course, there's only 12, 13 shots on the roll. Went home, developed it in my favorite DF96 monobath in the lab box. Guess what, man? Berger. Do not like her. <laughs> the DF96. <sighs> Absolutely Did it actually tell you this? Did it actually result. say, I don't like it, this? It spoke yeah. to me. It spoke to me and says, no, it <laughs> cried out to me. Like the way a lobster does when you put it in right. boiling water. Exactly. That happened so many times <laughs> when you put film out. in there. Yeah. It cried out. The results were terrible. Oh. The results were terrible. There were streaks and bubbles and strangeness all over the place. So I posted it. Now, it's kind of interestingly impressionistic. It's a magical wonderland right. of badness. Right. Come to find out. This film doesn't get along with DF96. As a matter of fact, apparently, if you go to the Berger webpage, it tells you so. Oh, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> Who the, does that? The worst. I don't do that. So I live and learn, but I have now loaded it up with the first roll of color. I got some Portra 400 in there. <laughs> I was out at sunset tonight shooting the sunset with my parqueo. Love that. I love this camera, and I'm shooting with the lens shade now. Thanks to the wise advice of our correspondents, it is delightful. I love that. Delightful. As Gabe said, we are probably going to be attending a Beers and Cameras event this weekend. You will have seen us if you attended that event by the time this episode <laughs> airs. We had a brief discussion about this, Gabe, on the phone earlier. I just want to get your initial impressions. What camera or cameras are you going to bring to show off at the Beers and Cameras event? Go! 
This is a tough one. I'm either taking the... Uh, okay, so this is what I would normally bring, okay? Yeah. I would bring the 2.80 Roloflex, which I've been using a lot lately, the mm. FM3A, the M6, and the uh, Contrax, but I'm not going to bring all those. But that's what I would normally bring because I would I would take one of those actually to the event, but the other three would be in the car in case I blew it. And I got there and I had camera envy as I always do. And I'm so insecure about who that has that other camera I want. Four cameras. Okay, I'm going to bring one. Let's say you were to do that. I'm going to bring one. Oh, wait. Okay. It's okay. No, no, no. Let me just ask a question. If you ever were to bring yes. four cameras yes. to an event like right. that, do those fit in one bag? Or do you need to put them in two bags, one on each shoulder, so you don't walk them around asymmetrically <laughs> like Igor in I would probably have them in a backpack. But I would not bring all four to the care. I would bring two. That's what I would bring. Two. And better, I and should, if would, someone forces me, like you, to just bring one, <laughs> then I will just bring one and just feel good about it. What would that one, look at him, he's so troubled. Is this, is what would that disturbing? one? The one I, camera look, for a oh beers and cameras thing, I think there, yes. there's one camera for the beers and cameras. It would be either, <laughs> just when yeah. you said there's one, the M6 with the Sumalux, because, you know, inevitably yeah. we'll be inside somewhere. Evening, right, and exactly. Then, or, or the FM3A with the 51.4. We talked about this a little bit in a previous episode, but when attending an event like this, to what extent are you thinking about your favorite camera, your camera that you think will be best for documenting the event, or the camera that you know will be a kick-ass conversation starter and impress your friends? What percentage is in each barrel in terms of your decision-making process? I think it's uh, 30% of what's going to get me the best picture. Mm. <laughs> and 70% yes. of what's the coolest thing I could pull to have a conversation <laughs> and have people listen to our podcast. Um, yeah. I would say, I will tell you the truth. The truth is that when you brought your fancy pants, I will say it's yes. the fancy pants Alpa. That yes. was the talk of beers and cameras. It really it was. It kind of was. Yeah. And, and I did not really, it is my favorite camera. I did not intend for it to draw the attention that it did. I was kind of surprised. But then in retrospect, there are only 287 of them. Yeah. So I should not have been surprised. And on the Facebook groups that I subscribe to, which are about old cameras, anytime somebody posts an Alpa, it always creates a sensation. Right. There is one guy in particular, I will not name him on this podcast, but everyone waits for him to chime in. I guess he's a former camera repairman about what crap cameras Alpas are. So funny. He talks about totally overhyped, <laughs> made of just the worst quality metal. They break. Why does this camera enjoy the reputation it does? You just wait for this I guy. I love to pop it. Up I somewhere. love that guy. Yeah. I love it too. But yeah, we were talking earlier today. Part of me wants to bring the Roloflex SL350 or the Canon P because I have not shot with them and I love them so very, very much. Yeah, I, I, I do like that idea. Seriously, I do like that idea and not too heavy. Uh, but, but then am I obligated to bring the Alpa because it starts conversations. It has historical significance and it starts conversations. People want to hold it and play with it. I don't know right. what's going to happen. Plus, this is the L.A. gang, I think. It is the, the LA, L.A. gang. So it's a sort of a different group, maybe. So maybe is they it? have an... Or is it going to people... It'll be, some, yeah. it'll be some crossover, but there'll be some L.A. people that didn't, you know. Yeah, All right. Well, a good one. we'll we'll report back and see what I ended up bringing right. and what Gabe ended up bringing and what kind of a sensation <laughs> it created. And our stickers. Final question. We're about to round out our hour. And this has been a very fast-paced hour, actually. Oh We're a little ahead of the oh curve in terms goodness. of what I thought we would cover today. I want to ask you, okay, you talked about at the top the mystical significance, the numerological mysteries of the number 28. Yes. As we round out episode 28, we're now podcast veterans. I mean, we've been yeah. doing this for a very long yes. time. We are celebrated within the community. Yes. Nary, a week goes by where we are not invited to do this nonsense on somebody else's Which podcast. Which is very exciting for us. We are so honored and we love it. Love it. 
I want to take a beat here to thank Mike Gutterman and the Negative Positives Gang for having us so on. So fun. And also Michael Kaplan yep. and Ephemeral Machine for having us on. And we will also be guesting on another yes, notable coming podcast. coming up. We can't say it yet, but yes, we will be. Can't say it yet, but in the month of March, you might hear us on some other podcast <laughs> trying to stay interesting. <laughs> In a few crisp, well-chosen sentences, <laughs> Gabe, yes. Yes. <laughs> what have you learned during this adventure? What have you learned? Go for it. I have honestly learned absolutely nothing. No, I have learned. <laughs> I, I have learned. I, I seriously have learned. I've actually learned a ton. Like, it's so cool that, um, first of all, all our listeners... You know, and their ca- there's cameras I hadn't heard of. There's cameras I hadn't used. There's cameras. Look at what happened with the OM-1. Look at what happened yeah. with these, you know, when, when we say, oh, try a Minolta. Like, I'm going, a Minolta. And then I go to this sort of crazy garage sale by that, that's Jimmy Steinfeld, the photographer with Fred Corey. And, yeah. and I find this XG1 and I take pictures and I love them. Like, I'm going, what am I going to do with this $20 camera? It's ridiculous. And then I love it. It just sort of taught me to experiment more and try different cameras. I think the whole podcast, just talking to people and, and learning the stuff that you like. And and uh, I learned that anytime I can tell you that I'm using something that's scratched inside, it's fantastic <laughs> because it drives you up a wall. Um, yes. But no, I think I, I've learned so much from you. I've learned so much from our listeners. And, and I just, I love meeting people and sort of, talking about the show and they inevitably bring up a subject i haven't you know did you know about this camera and i know i don't know about the camera so it's it's really exciting to me that is beautifully articulate i I cannot improve upon that i will just say that when you describe like we put this out we just put this out and it comes back to us tenfold exactly in knowledge in excitement, in joy, in bonding, in friendship. I got to meet Ethan Moses. I got to meet Ethan Moses. I didn't know Ethan Moses other than communicating with him. It was so exciting. I would just encourage people, as we've said, it is wonderful to see the number of podcasts that have popped up in the time we've been doing this. It also, just to echo something you said, when we began this adventure, you did not own an FM3A. No, I did not. I did not own a Canon Rangefinder or a Perkeo or an SL350 or any of the cool-ass cameras. It has spurred adventure and the acquisition of knowledge and friendships, and I just, it's been amazing. Anyone who's thinking of doing this, well, don't, because we're already doing it the best. But do it and labor in our shadow. Exactly. Let us be stand on the shoulders of giants. We are the giants. <laughs> Actually, let's be and honest. We invite you. You're the giant. Okay. This is true. <laughs> I am very large. Stand on my shoulders, right. and I will stand on Gabe's shoulders. Right. Which will, which will <laughs> improve you about two and a half feet, but that's totally fine. <laughs> totally not a big deal. Here's to the next 28 is what I say. I agree. Here, here. How about that? Any final thoughts before we round out <laughs> another pulse-pounding episode of I Dream of Cameras? I feel like I have a confession to make, and that's about when you started, when I saw those pictures from the XA4 and the self-timer, I was like going... I may have to use that self timer. And that's some, those are words that I never thought would come out of my mouth. But that's how good that you have to post the picture of. Okay. It's so good. We'll there's this a, a self portrait of the two of them, which is just uh, Jeff, Jeff Kids. It's so good. Will do. Thank you. God, what, what could I listen? It is like I'm an emotional terrorist. And after 15 months, I've broken you. Yes, you have. Next, you'll be using a depth of field preview button. Wait, wait, I got to point out. Last episode, you said you're now using a wrist strap. Look what's happened. (laughs) That's true. I've broken you down. That's true. Oh, my goodness. That's so beautiful. You've broken me down. Next thing you know, I'll be using a... I'll have camera cases or something. (laughs) Let me tell you something. The only problem with this is if I start to hate dented cameras, I will have a collection of one. Yeah, that's a problem. (laughs) Um, Thank you again, as I said at the outset, to all the faithful listeners who wrote in with their thoughts about folders and everything else. Just to recap, you can find our Instagram at iDreamOfCameras. 
You can find Gabe at Gabe Sachs. You can find me at S. Jeff Greenstein. You can find all your I Dream of Cameras needs, including lots of sexy merch, the Scannenberg Uncertainty oh Principle t-shirt, which is flying off the shelves, at idreamofcameras.com. And you may email us at idreamofcameras at gmail.com. This is also the time where I periodically thank the gang at Sunny16 for giving oh, us yes. this platform. We're very thankful. To blather absurdly. <laughs> That's our specialty. That's right. Uh, also, let me thank the amazing musical oh. genius who has made yes. our mailbag better than ever, Fred Corey <laughs> uh, yes. and Keith Greenstein for just giving us a look and, and making people, you know, listen to our podcast by reading people's t-shirts and going, what the heck is yes. that? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Take us out of here, Mr. Sachs. Please, everyone. Please, 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 please. Don't let me fall into the trap that is Jeff Greenstein's, you know, his atmosphere <laughs> is very scary because if I start, I mean, I have scratches all over my cameras. There's dings and dents and on and on. If Jeff knows there's a scratch inside of his camera, that's all he's thinking about. So please, <laughs> don't let me fall into the atmosphere that we know as Jeff Greenstein. Thank you, and we will see you next time.